Greetings. My servant dressed me this morning. And my servant did not want to overwhelm you with how I would usually be dressed. You would not be able to approach my greatness. It's my understanding that you had the peasant carpenter, Joseph, speak to you about his son, Jesus, and the events surrounding his birth. To be sure, this was a momentous occasion. And and some would say it, it was even an event that changed human history. That no one had ever come before Jesus, nor would any come after Jesus, who would be greater than he. That's why I'm here today. Because in those moments, I took great exception with those statements. That perspective was not mine. And I will tell you, it cost me greatly. And if you think that this is odd for you, I will guarantee you that it is more odd for me. Because I'm not supposed to be here. And even if I was supposed to be here, a person like me would never Associate with the likes of you. It's not fitting for a king. That's right, a king. And not just any king. I was the king of the Jews. Maybe you've heard my name, Herod. Herod the Great. It's it's distinguished from the other Herods that you may have heard of, like my eldest son, Herod Archelaus, who was the ruler over Judea and Samaria and Idumea after my death. Or or maybe another, Herod Antipas, who, who ruled in Galilee and Perea. Each of these were adequate rulers, and they even did some things to reflect on my great legacy. But they were never Herod the Great, or as I like to be called, the King of the Jews. To understand me, you you need to know a little about me. And, and I, am, I am more than happy to tell you about myself. <laughs> my lineage on my father's side was Edomian. You may know the name Edom. It represents a region on the southern coast of the Dead Sea. My mother was Nabataean, a nomadic people whose kingdom encompassed the area of your modern Jordan near Petra. A people who became unlikely 
very wealthy. My mother's people became wealthy by controlling the trade routes of the area. My father and my fame claim came from our support of the Romans as they wanted to force their rulership on a Jewish dynasty known as the Hadmonians. It is a much longer story, but let's just say that we supported the Romans in their military campaign and we were rewarded greatly. Though we were not Jews, my family was given the right to rule over them in Judea as a result of Roman occupation. It was not easy to rule a conquered people. My father was assassinated. There was a revolt on me, and and I was forced to flee to Rome. But all those who opposed me would come to regret that decision. You see, I understood at an early age how to gain power and how to keep power. It was to be a good politician. And that meant doing everything I could to gain more and more favor from those who had more power than me, and that was the Romans. Because I was so good at doing that, the Romans favored me, and and the Roman Senate gave me my own army, and I returned to Judea, and I took Jerusalem. I then extended my empire from Judea to Jordan to Syria to Lebanon, giving me the right to be called the king of the Jews. So though some thought my my position to be weak, I would show them that any disrespect, that any disloyalty, To my rule was not a wise path to choose. Now, to be honest, some would say that I was brutal. Some might even say I was savage. But I really tried to get along. Let me give you an example. The the, the Hasmoneans resented the fact that the Romans had made me king of Judea. So I married one of them, Mariami, the granddaughter of the former high priest. And it was in an attempt to bring the family in, the, the members of this dynasty, into the fold. I wanted to get along. She bore me three sons and two daughters. The unity thing didn't go very well, however, because she had a brother who was the high priest, and uh, he would not get along. So I had him killed. I don't think she liked that. And after that, I don't think she liked me much. So when I heard that there were rumors that she had committed adultery on me and and even tried to have me killed, I had her executed. No great loss, though. I had at least 10 wives, I I think. After that, I, I thought three of my sons were plotting together to kill me, so I had them executed as well. 
After all, I had other sons. But the message was clear to everyone. Disloyalty? Disrespect? No. I am your king. When people did not support my rule, I took away their property. When people were disloyal to me, I took away their wealth. Of course, when I gave the Romans tribute from all of those things, it only increased my status. So it was a, as you would say, win-win. They let me do whatever I wanted. My rule was not without difficulty. A woman named Cleopatra caused me some grief because she, like so many others, wanted what I had worked so hard to attain. It all worked out in the end, but I learned even more through that encounter. I learned how to get what I want. But I was a great king, if I don't say so myself. And I will tell you why. Without a doubt, I was the greatest builder in all the land of my vast empire. And even in in that part of the world, I was a visionary. And my genius was renowned. Let me tell you about it. The first temple in Jerusalem, which had been built by King Solomon, was destroyed long before I came on the scene. So I built a new one. Larger, better, for my subjects. I used the finest marble. I used the the finest gold. Limestone foundation blocks that weighed more than 500 tons supported reception halls and apartments and fountains and gardens and baths and, and a fortress for my personal guards. There was a Greek theater, other entertainment venues, paved streets, and even sewers. I made it great. In this modern day, you can still see remnants of it in the Western or as some like to say, the Wailing Wall. On top of a plateau in the Judean wilderness, I built a fortress, Masada. It was one of the wonders of the ancient world. It it was a palace with hot and cold baths, mosaic floors, swimming pools, massive storehouses, cisterns that held millions of gallons of water, giving it the ability to make the dry, unbearable wilderness livable. I did that. In Jericho, I built a palace on both sides of a dry, deep riverbed. And and then my genius was to connect them by a bridge. One side had a huge marble-floored hall where I would entertain guests. There were gardens that surrounded everything. Dining halls, Roman baths, swimming pools. And all of it was spectacular. 
In Caesarea, I built an amazing seaport to help the Roman military, but also to increase trade. Getting money flowing my way. To do this, I built a massive harbor. And I even threw in a lighthouse. Then to add to the greatness, I built in that place a large theater. An even larger amphitheater. And a massive temple to Augustus. And as a side note, I threw in an elaborate palace with everything and more than you can even imagine. All of this earned me quite the reputation. And that reputation took me places and did things that I would have never imagined. Did I mention that I, that I once helped save the ancient Olympic Games? I did. No great feat, really. The the games were not going to continue because they had run out of money to to host them and, and to do them. So I stepped in and I gave them money. I had plenty of that. The organizers of those ancient games were so appreciative, they elected me perpetual Olympic president. Another in my long list of titles. Once again, my greatness. My greatness on display. Hmm. 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 I love thinking about my greatness. Sorry, sorry. I got lost there in my greatness and forgot why I came to talk to you. I came today about him, this child, this Jesus who was to be born. This one who was to be called the king of the Jews? It it all started when there was a stir in the city. There were these men. They they called them wise. They were were from the east and they came in in a great procession. Some call them magi. Others call them the king makers. You can understand why it piqued my curiosity. If there was anything that I was good at, it was making sure that I was informed on all the things that were going on in my empire. And, and the magi, these, these king makers, they were, they were asking a lot of questions. Like, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? What? For we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Then worship. 
Evidently, there was some ancient prophecy concerning this, and and the Jews had been waiting centuries. When I heard this, I was... I guess I can be honest now. But I was angry. And more than angry, I was afraid. Because I wasn't the only one taking notice. All of Jerusalem was taking notice. So I gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and I asked them where this one who had been prophesied would be born. They said, he is to be born in in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What? So so I knew what this could mean. I I knew what I had to do to protect all that was mine. I summoned the wise men secretly to get from them uh, what time the the star had appeared. And and then I I sent them to Bethlehem, telling them, go and search diligently for this child. And, And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship They listened, and I thought that because of my reputation, loyalty would be understood. They did not. Evidently, they were warned in a dream, no less. Not to return to me, but to to depart and, and go to their own country by another way. There was something else going on here. Something I did not understand. Something I could not control. I was a grown man. Accomplished. Respected. Feared, famous. And this was just a baby. A baby. When I learned the the Magi had refused my command, I was furious. And I wasn't going to let it go. Nor was I going to let this new king of the Jews live. Some say I was brutal. Some say merciless. I ordered that all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that I had learned from these magi Slaughtered. I was not going to allow there to be another king of the Jews. I was their ruler. 
I was their king. What did it produce? Weeping. Mourning. People refusing to be comforted. I had seen all that before. And the truth was, Joseph and Mary, the parents, had evidently been warned as well to to take the child and to flee to Egypt. Because they somehow knew I was searching for him. I was intent on destroying this one. But they got away. I had failed in my mind. And and worse than failing, I was disrespected. There were those who were disloyal to me. I would become a footnote in history compared to him. If all these things about this Jesus were true. So I decided to be more controlling in these times in my life. More cruel. I can say now that it led to more and more paranoia in me. And it led to the death of those family members that I mentioned earlier. In my mind, even with all that I had done for them, I knew that when I died, those people would not weep for me. And I would not allow someone to succeed me and take my glory as their own. So with the final decree of my life, I ordered the execution of all my descendants who might have any claim to my throne. Then I had all the prominent citizens of Jerusalem put in prison, and I commanded that they be slaughtered the moment I died. Why? Ruthless, maybe. Cruel, probably. But I was the king. And if the people would not weep when I die, I want them weeping, even if it has to be for someone else. The peasant carpenter, Joseph, told you that he received Jesus into his family. He received Jesus into his life and eventually into his heart as his Savior, his Lord, his King. He was willing 
to humble himself. He was willing to submit. He was willing to allow another to rule him. He was willing. He was willing. And that was the point. I'm, I'm here to tell you I was not. I would not. I did not. And I am here to tell you that there are many who were like me in my time. The ones who ruled after me would not, did not. There were many like me who would not have Jesus reign over them. Like me. Their their pride, their arrogance. And I can only say this now. Their desire for their own way, their, their decisions to be the master of their own destiny, led them, like it did me, to have no desire for Jesus to be their Lord, their master, their king. Do you think there are people in your time Do you think there are people in your generation who are are like me? Are, are, Are there people now who are so set in in ruling their own lives, their own kingdoms, that they too refuse Jesus? Or are there people who now consider him and, and reject him because he will interfere with the way they want to live their lives? I am here to tell you that choice has tragic consequences because all those like me who will not have him as their Lord who will not have him as their king will forever be without him I was a king I needed nothing. I was a king. I needed no one. I was a king. I feared nothing. I was a king. I bowed my knee to none.
I was wrong. I was the one to whom the good news of Jesus had no effect. I was all powerful. I got my way and all that I wanted and lost it all. Jesus came for the lost. Jesus came for the arrogant and pride-filled. Jesus came for the ones who thought they needed no one. His birth was for the ones who thumbed their nose at God who thought they did not need him like me. Jesus was born to reconcile mankind to God, to make a way for those filled with self and sin, to be part of a kingdom that is so much more I can see that now. I can see that it was for me. But it's too late. It's too late. There is still good news. And what I say to you today, it does not have to be too late for you. You can receive him as your king. It it does not have to be too late for those whom you love. You can tell them the good news of Jesus. I must go. As he said, Jesus Christ came to this earth for the poor and the humble, for the rich and for those that believe that have Everything figured out like he thought he did. Just like King Herod. Perhaps the Lord is giving us today an opportunity to see the story of Jesus Christ and his birth in the eyes of these characters that we're presenting before you. To call our attention on some aspects of our lives that we need to surrender or possibly to surrender our entire life to him if you have chosen not to do that yet. 
Ultimately, these stories should remind us that Jesus came to this earth for you and for me. That is the whole purpose of the story of the birth of Jesus Christ and what we celebrate to save us, to redeem us, to forgive us, to love us, but also to teach us and to show us who God is. And I believe that today King Herod, in his side of eternity, was able to see that, but as he said, too late for him. I believe this is an invitation to check our hearts. And maybe we can relate to Joseph from last week, in a sense. And we can, we can say, I have invited Jesus into my heart. So we can teach others how to do that. Or maybe you come today and you're like King Herod. And there's still areas in your life, or maybe it's your entire life, where you think you are the king. You are the ruler of your life. When Jesus is born, was born on this earth, to remind us that we need to accept him as our king, our ruler in our lives. Are you accepting Jesus Christ in your life? That is the question. Who is this Jesus in your life? Is he your king? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word that teaches us, challenge us, encourage us, but also, Father, rebuke us. As we come to it today, Lord, as we're remembering, Lord, your birth, Jesus Christ, let us humbly come before you. Let us be accepted before you, Lord. As your word says, you will not reject anybody that comes before you humbly. We humble our hearts before you today. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive our sins and forgive us when we have tried to rule ourselves and deal our own lives with our own understanding and our own wisdom. Help us to not go with our lives to the point where it's too late to the point where we've lived our own lives focused in the greatness of our own lives, of the greatness of the things that we have done and what we have acquired in the respect of those that are around us, that they give us, Father, let us not focus on those things. And I pray, Father, that today as we leave this place and we remember the story that we have heard today, that we continue to be challenged by your Holy Spirit and your word to surrender entirely only to you, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth and for teaching us that your kingdom is different than other kingdoms. Your kingdom is completely different than the kingdoms of this earth. You came humbly to this earth to teach us humility. You came humbly to this earth, Lord, to teach us that in your kingdom, the last will be first. In your kingdom, those that are the humble themselves will be exalted. And in your kingdom, everyone that follows you and everyone that follows your kingdom, Lord, will enjoy and will live your righteousness and your justice.
that lasts forever. Thank you, Jesus Christ. I pray all these things in the name above all names. In your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.